0: Tom DeVault. Chris runs a podcast that you may really dig called Ambition Radio. It is currently highlighting, Ambition Radio that is, is highlighting everything that is going on in Southern Maryland and the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area as a whole. The idea of the show is to interview folks who have found some kind of balance between their life, family, and career, and uh, also pursuit of their dreams, passions, and hobbies. We are going to be discussing a compilation album from the Doors titled The Future Starts Here. It's the Essential Doors Hits. This particular compilation was released right around the end of last decade, January 29th of 2008, and it comprises a period between 1966 and 1971. This was released on Elektra as well as Rhino Records. In terms of who produced this particular compilation, that would be Bruce Botnick, Paul A. Rothschild, and the band itself, The Doors. So without further ado, let's talk to Chris. Chris, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Thank you. I appreciate coming on. So what inspired you to choose this compilation from The Doors? So The
1: the Doors and I have a a unique uh, relationship where I fell in love with them before even hearing their music. Um, So my second stepdad um, he gave me the the biography no one gets out of here alive uh, for the Jim Morrison biography mm-hmm. and I read that and I must have been 13 or 14 maybe um, so probably a little too young to like read about everything that's happening with all the the drugs the sex the just the whole rock and roll lifestyle and then also like the traumatic experiences that Jim Morrison had. Um, but for whatever reason, I I had this connection through this book and I was totally on board with everything. You know, I was looking actually at his uh, book of poetry even before I got into the music. And then I was over at my, um, my best friend's, house at the time and asked his dad who i knew played a whole bunch of music and had a whole bunch of music i was like hey do you have any doors and he started playing some doors and as soon as i heard jim morrison's voice i was like hook line and sinker for the whole thing and i i haven't looked back since and this this uh compilation holds pretty much every song that i've absolutely loved um all the way through and i never i never really dove deep into their actual proper albums um i've listened to most of them from front to back but it's really this compilation that i keep going back to and i guess it has a little bit of a nostalgia to it because this set of songs has been kind of done over and over as far as like compiled and and played but it it really shows the whole range of the doors for me. It shows the different styles that they had, because you have just straight dirty blues, uh, and then you also have. Uh, I th- what the the end is the end of this this um, I think this compilation. That's that's the song that's at the end, and it's just like a weird song that when even when I heard like Peace Frog on this compilation, it's just. It, the, the range in there just shows everything about the Doors that I absolutely love. And it's stuck with me ever since I, I first heard it all the way through.
0: The book that inspired you is called, you said, No One Here Gets Out Alive. If I, if my memory serves me correctly, that is a line in a Doors tune called Five to One.
1: I'm pretty sure you're right, yeah.
0: We are talking with Chris Tondevold of Ambition Radio here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We are going to be Talking extensively about the Doors' catalog. Um, Chris, you alluded to the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Morrison. Who are the other players that comprise the Doors of Perception?
1: Oh, um, I'm going to butcher all their names because I forgot all of them. they're they're oh you're gonna you're gonna make me feel like a bad Doors ban, uh Doors fan so thank you uh but Ray Manzarek um Robbie Krieger and John Densmore that's the the big one for me
0: nice John Densmore of course is the uh, drummer that seems to be heavily influenced on jazz and, yeah. Uh, uh, Is it fair to say that, you know, kind of Ray and Robbie kind of are all jazz cats together? Do they have uh, vastly different influences that, you know, make the Doors who they were in some respects as a group?
1: From what I remember, they were all jazz, like classically trained jazz musicians. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the, the history about it because the famous story is that Jim didn't even know how to look like what a microphone was at one point. And you have these like really well-established musicians as far as this trio goes. And they're just like, well, let's try to, you know, take a, a leap and see if this will actually work or not. And they just turned into something way bigger than I think any of them really thought. Um, so when, when you look at that, that trio right there, I mean, Densmore for me, that, that was such like a cool style all the way through because watching some of the, the videos um, when I was growing up, uh, that, his playing really made me attracted to this band as a whole. And then you had the, the organ, which I never really heard um, in any other band. And that that right there was such like a unique, um, a very just a unique sound because I'm so used to at that time, 90s grunge and alternative. Right. And then I started getting into punk uh, around that same time, too. But still that that weird keyboard, that weird organ That always stuck with me as far as like, why didn't anybody else really like make this such a centerpiece for their rock band? And I never understood that part either.
0: Yeah, Ray's such an interesting player in the sense that uh, traditionally speaking, the band was a quartet and uh, Ray's, I mean, he's doing double duty right now. He's you know he's playing all of these you know crazy fun keyboard and organ parts, but he's also playing a lot of the bassier textures that you get in more of your you know you know quote unquote conventional rock band. You, you right. know him, you know it's such he's such an interesting player, so unique.
1: Yeah, because what I what I, and I had no idea that that instrument could do that. Um. I'm I'm used to seeing that kind of so again like when I started getting into these guys I'm so young so my idea of what music is is everything that I just see on TV right so at the time I'm I'm looking at four piece five piece bands uh, sometimes three piece uh, but it's still that traditional electric guitar electric bass and drums like that's that's the essential part of a band And realizing now that there's, A, a keyboard that can make all sorts of different weird sounds and and different environments to play in. But also, this one person has the the responsibility to not only have this crazy groove or sometimes really crazy uh, lead with the keyboards, but he's also responsible for... The baseline underneath and that that was the first time that i actually was exposed to that and ever since then it finding those unique players has been something that i really like and even something like uh, local h that's another one that i always thought they were a one hit wonder until like i started listening to their uh, catalog way more and um scott lucas i think is, is his name but i remember that he had two Different distinct pickups on his guitar so he could play all the bass stuff while also playing the electric guitar stuff. And that was just like another level to it where I had no idea that any of this could happen. And what these like gearheads were doing is just insane to me.
0: We're talking with Chris Tondevald here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We're getting into the doors, we're talking about Ray, we're talking about Jim and John and Robbie. Uh, Chris, we've learned exactly how you discovered the band and, you know, because this is a compilation that we are discussing, it feels like a good time to just go right into discussing what your favorite tracks are on on this album. Do you want to pick and choose a handful or do you want to, you know, run the gamut here and just, you know, cover, which I think, you know, might be a a total of about 20 tracks on this album. How we'll be guided by you.
1: Okay. Uh... Yeah. So people are strange is probably my favorite one, um, that they've ever done. I I think it's just a very unique, um, sound to it, a very unique, uh, style to everything. Um, it is the one that when I used to drink, I would get just wasted and sing at karaoke. And it's the only one that I've ever done. Um, it, it, it holds, it holds a special place in my heart. Uh, and the fact that it's only two minutes means that you're not really making a fool of yourself too much when you're out there. So it's, it's, it's great. Um, what, what also, so one of the other songs that, that really stuck with me was Peace Frog because it, it's completely different than a lot of their other stuff. So they, they are very much, they can get into that, that dirty blues, um, style but peace frog was like that little funk to it and just the way that the guitar work also played off of just the the manic expression of Jim Morrison's vocals throughout that entire song was also just something that that really stuck with me and just some of the 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 visual pieces that he's talking about as far as like blood in the streets and so much so much going on with that just really that struck me when, especially when I was younger and then listening to that, going back to it, um, you know, it, it just, that song was just such a, a standout because none of the other ones were like that. And I wish they kind of like did more of that style. Um,
0: it it was incredibly topical at the time. I believe that was released, uh, in 1970 on Morrison hotel. And, you know, you're talking about some of this, you know, really heavy imagery here. And uh, boy, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting into Chicago and the riots of 1968, riots that were happening all over different parts of the United States as a result of some assass- political assassinations in 1968. Uh, there's even a mention from a lyrical point of view of uh, a Birth of a Nation, which was an incredibly controversial film. When it came out in the early part of the 20th century, glorifying the Ku Klux Klan. I mean, Jim Morrison's painting a lot of, you know, difficult subjects, if you will, to, to speak about.
1: Yeah, and it is still relevant today, unfortunately. Um, yeah. you, you would think that something from that long ago wouldn't have to rear its ugly head, um, so to speak, with, with all the, the stuff that's happening now. But the song definitely still hits and just the messages behind it and the imagery behind it definitely still hits um so that those two right off the the break still stick with me um people are strange being such a such a big piece of their culture too because they 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 made that song into so many different shirts that i even had as a kid um i'm trying to remember what the the exact shirt was i think it's jim morrison like in the the middle of the street and then the lyrics on the back of the shirt and i remember that being one of my favorite shirts of all time and
0: i i was sad that i got fat and grew out of it it's a very whimsical song from uh you know from from how i hear it in my mind and it's got this like playful sort of saloon style piano from ray man's it's just it's so good I, i love that song too And then there's, there's really like for,
1: especially for a compilation, I feel like there's not really that much of a better opener than break on through. Um, you have, it's, it's again, another like two, two and a half minute song, but it's such a powerful one where his, his voice rises through everything and, I think that's that's one of the one of the songs that made me really like him as a vocalist. Where it, it was just a snippet of it, um, where it, it gets a little bit it gets a little bit more on "Light My Fire," where that that big crescendo at the end. Um, so for for me, the his vocals in "Break On Through" and then going into "Light My Fire," the break on through I could have that stuck in my head for months, months at a time and still enjoy my sanity and it'll be fine.
0: I love the production on break on through how it begins with John and Ray in the left channel. And then you hear that sort of crunchy, you know, guitar, the right channel from Robbie. It's, it's so great. It's a, it's a great track. And uh, if you believe Oliver Stone's film, all about the doors from the early nineties, it light my fire that clocks in just under seven minutes. Uh there there was a little controversy about, you know, using the word higher in lyrics on the Ed Sullivan show. I I'm, you know, did they get did the doors get booted off the Ed Sullivan show uh for I believe good after after playing that song?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Because it wasn't the length of the song, it was what the perceived content was. Yes. Like, there was definitely some uh some realism to that content that everybody was like afraid of but the like it's it's such a a silly thing to think about back then where you could get booted off of nationwide tv for saying higher for saying you know let me take you higher where we had we had creed trying to take everybody higher in the 90s and early 2000s and no one had a problem with that now (laughs) Right. So it's 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 funny to to see how that works. Yeah, you um, couldn't
0: get high enough with the damn Yankees,
1: <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's that's funny. Um, you were, man. You just said something. And I for I forgot what I was gonna say. So don't don't worry about it. Was uh, it about
0: break on through or light my yeah, fire? Yeah,
1: I, I think it was on uh, break on through. And I'm I'm trying to. You were talking about the production. Yeah, yeah. So here's a fun fact for me: is that I have tinnitus in my right ear. And I can't hear anything from the right side anymore. So when when you're talking about those channels, the, the way that the, the song starts, right? Right. When I was a kid, um, that song and just like the, the little intro to that. And there's um, a Foo Fighter song, Hey Johnny Park, that does this crazy pan left and right, left and right those were my like two favorite ones because it messed with my ears every time. And it just made me feel cool. Um, But about, Oh, this. Yeah. So this must've been about 10 years ago. Now I just woke up to tinnitus in my right ear. I assume after years of doing live concerts and stuff like that, but uh, it's been ringing ever since. And I don't get that same satisfaction. And that same feeling, and is such a bummer. Uh, I'm glad that like for the podcast that I do, everything's in mono, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I miss I miss that left and right channel a lot.
0: We are talking with Chris Tondevald here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. We are discussing The Doors, all things The Doors. It's a it's a great compilation we're speaking about. And uh, Chris, what other songs? really get under your skin. I, I know that you appreciate the entire band and we've talked about break on through and light my fire and people are strange and peace frog. Um, are there any hidden gems on here that, uh, we could go into?
1: Yeah. Uh, you have backdoor man, which was always a, a fun one for me. And then, um, the yeah, Alabama Bixon song. song. Yeah. 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 Um, cause I mean, they have their hits like, touch me um they have lover madly on here and like what we talked about uh, the um light my fire but the the other ones that they they had sounded completely different than like their their mainstream hits so it was really cool to uh see and 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 kind of feel that in there like "Backdoor man for me i didn't fully understand it until i got a little bit older Right? So that's that's one part of it, but the other part of it is the the fact that this is such a dirty song, but like dirty sonically. And it just it makes me it makes me understand some of the um, the fever pitch about this band because if they were to play that live in front of thousands of people where he's just teasing the crowd the entire time, Mm-hmm. that would have elicited such a, a big response and a big pop. Um, and I, I really appreciate that as someone that's gone to shows so much and seen kind of like what a front man can do. And the fact that he's in so much trouble all the time as, as far as being just like a push the edge and, and being overall charming. And also, if you're talking to the cops, very seditious and insidious uh, front man. That song kind of encapsulates the the way that he wants to push the envelope a little bit more, just with his vocals and, and the way that he's he's pushing every
0: every little piece of that song, too. Following Backdoor Man, you mentioned Alabama song, otherwise known as Whiskey Bar. And uh I believe this was a song that was translated uh from German. It was a song written by Bertolt Brecht, if my memory is correct from the early i think the early 1920s and it was written for a play called little mahogany
1: that makes a lot of sense because it's really just a drinking song and you wouldn't think that something that kind of throwaway would hit a compilation of essential hits right and that absolutely that's what always kind of like threw me off on it a little bit but it, it was such like a fun it had kind of the same feeling for me as um, people are strange because of the, the way that the song is set up and, and, and played. It, it sounds like such a carnival weird song that doesn't match anything else that they've done. Hmm. Um, it makes a little bit more sense because I, I didn't realize the, the history behind it, but it makes a lot more sense that that is just a, a kind of like a translated German bar hopping song. Because that's exactly what it is. And that, that makes me like feel good. Every time I, I hear it, um, I I really like it. And it just it's it doesn't make sense
0: to have that on like an essential album, but it still hits for me. It's a cool track. It's got that sort of syncopated organ and then whatever effect that Robbie Krieger is using on his, his uh guitar sounds yeah, like it has this sort of carnival-like atmosphere or a carousel or something something yeah. along those lines.
1: Yeah, I I I dig it and uh, like I said I I like I like the way that this particular one and I think that's the reason why I keep coming back to it after all these years and instead of like fully like diving into more of their catalog um and going through like just repeated of their full albums because this shows just their complete range with everything and even even something that you would think would be a throwaway where it's that that um, the Alabama song you know it's it's still for me something that is a part of their story and a part of their style that not a lot of people talk about because it seems like a fun silly song and I always enjoy it
0: it's it's a great song to play in the jukebox while bar hopping. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're talking with Chris Tonivald here from Ambition Radio on cover to cover with Matt Tarka. All things adores. Uh Chris, what's the next song that we should tackle? So
1: we can we can look at um Riders on the Storm. That so one of the the, the things that uh I remember distinctly about the biography is everything um with the the Native American and um uh, kind of the, the the trauma that he sees from that and then just this this song being such a heavy song on everything. Um I don't, I don't know what it was, but just the imagery that I, I remember in the book and then listening to this particular one kind of like coalesced for me. Um, and I, I guess it's just the, the atmosphere they build because that that first the first line um, the keyboard where it's just kind of like that that drop in there, that the little like uh, water drip. I guess mm-hmm. it would be a good way. I'm not a musician, so I don't know how to describe these things. Um, I just know what sounds are. Um, so that kind of like that water drip, and then um, oh, the the guitarist that I, I'm I'm terrible with names. Robbie. Oh, right? Robbie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say John. I was like, that's definitely not right. Um, he hits things. He doesn't play things. Um, the yeah. So. Cause Robbie comes in with like this really understated guitar part in there and going through that whole piece. I I just really liked the atmosphere that goes with. And it's a very like, it's both melancholy and then also kind of um, not intimidating, but there's definitely a sense of dread in there. If that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it just hits on a couple different pieces to it. And like I said, with, with me reading the biography and just kind of the, the idea of everything that he went through with, with that, um, that, that made that song hit even more. Um, And it it really just encapsulated the,
0: the actual feel of everything for me. You talk a lot about melancholy in this track and you know i'm looking at the liner notes right here and i had been thinking about the first chorus if you will all wrong i thought the line was like a dog without a bone an actor all alone the mm-hmm. actual the actual lyric check this out the actual lyric you probably know this is an actor out on loan yeah it's very different very different yeah. uh you know vibe uh uh image that you get from that yeah Definitely. It's crazy.
1: It's, it's fun. Uh, (laughs) you know, Eddie Vedder is the, the worst at it, right? You, you don't ever really understand what he's saying. Um, but it's fun to figure out like, Oh, I've been wrong this entire time when I'm listening to stuff because the, if you're, if you're in chorus, you're taught to really enunciate your words and really break down your words, and get those different notes. But if you're not trained and you're just a whatever singer, right? Mm
0: -hmm. A
1: lot of those, what you're, what you're hitting is more the feeling of everything, not really worried about some of the words that are in there. So everything can get kind of mixed up. And if, if you're like me and you that thought this was, you know, this lyric for so long before we actually like went into the, the actual lyric book or heard it for the first time slightly differently. That's it. It makes that song that you've listened to for years. And I, I want to say I've, I figured that out sometime in my twenties uh, where I, I, I thought exactly like you for a long time. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, I think I was just looking at some of the, the Wikipedia's and, and, doing doing something like doing some kind of lyric book uh, trying to look up the lyrics or something like that and I was like oh that's not anything that I thought it was it sounds like it but now this whole thing takes a, a different meaning to it and I, I like that
0: we're talking about The Doors here with Chris Tondevold here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka and uh Chris, just a random observation here. A lot of the tracks that are on this compilation from The Doors, many of them, you know, approach five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. There might be an occasional just eight-minute movement throughout this whole, uh, you know, double CD, however many vinyl records, maybe it's four sides. Um, I just wonder if much of these Doors compositions, if people would have the the discipline in some ways of listening to them, you know, or the patience to listen to them, because so much of what we hear on terrestrial radio in particular is, you know, it's, it's got to fit within a, a shell, you know, of that three and a half to four minute mark. Um, what, what do you think? Do you, do you think that, you know, if the doors were coming around today that people would be able to, to digest the complexity of this music?
1: I think it's kind of a, uh a chicken and an egg thing, right? Because when, when you look at it, they, they have one of their, their biggest singles, um, light my fire, a seven minute track. You know, they, they have, they have a single that they released that was still like four minutes or something like that, but they've always put out longer music. And I, I think that if they were a band today doing that, I think it would actually be more embraced just because of everything that's come out. Um, because there's such like different experimental stuff that's out there and they would, I, I, and you can see it in the compilation that I think they've done a great job of finding that line of, okay, these are our singles and these are actually the songs that we're just going to jam for. um, Light my fire has like a th- five minute jam session. Um, I feel like, yeah. um, so that's that's another part of it where I think I think they would be even more embraced today if they were a, a brand new band because we've had other stuff like um, like so much. Radiohead comes to really mind where they can push the envelope in what soundscapes are. And, you know, they started off as just like a very generic rock band and then have just pushed the envelope sonically. And if you are still doing interesting things sonically and keeping your audience's attention all the way through. And I think that we, even though it's it's a TikTok world right now where everything's in 60-second <laughs> clips, whatever, right? The, that's, the really, rabid, that's good. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, <laughs> the rabid fans and the ones that are going to push you the most are going to be the ones that see the, the art that you're doing. And I think that there's such a, a safer space to just release your music out there now and just push out whatever you're doing because what we've done so far has been very cookie cutter for the most part with these outliers there. I think the unique thing about the doors and you talk about Pink Floyd too, in the, in the same, you know, 10 years later, right. Where they're yeah. pushing the envelope all the way through and building these huge albums, these, these different themes of everything. If it wasn't for, something like the doors where you were pushing that in the 60s you know i don't think that we would have that that ability to accept these different things now and for me like what you're talking about with these seven eight um minute long songs and and just pushing pushing what a song actually is rather than like a spoken word piece right Mm-hmm. That's that's such a, a different thing and for I think for the the generation and the time that they're in it makes it even more impactful.
0: We're talking with Chris Tondevall here from Ambition Radio all about the Doors. Chris, what's next? What do you want to talk about?
1: So, I'll talk about um the Crystal Ship just for a second. And the only reason why I'll talk about that song, it's it's a cool 2-minute thing, but um, I'm also a big fan of the Dead Milkman, and they uh, they have a little a little skit on uh, one of their records uh, where they're a Doors cover band, and it's called Crystal Shit, and it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it just it makes me it makes me smile every time I see that, um, and head. every time I yeah. hear it. Yeah, um, we can go.
0: What do you think about Soul Kitchen?
1: Oh, I haven't listened to that in a while, and I should have. Um, well, I remember, I remember that song. Um, I don't. It never like uh, stuck with me as much.
0: Did it? Did it stick with you? You know, in some sort of weird way, like for whatever reason, that song, anytime I've gone to a live show and you know how there's a DJ that's in the back and either in between sets of bands or maybe you're, you know, seeing more of a national act and there's like some, you know, DJ music being played. So often I will hear Soul Kitchen or, you know, just like some. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the James Brown, like horn section influence on that tune there's a song papa's got a brand new bag. Yeah. And they sort of play homage to that in this song and I don't know it's just it's it's kind of just it's it's a cool track. It's um I I think Jim was writing about this diner near him called Olivia's and it just they served soul food 24/7 yeah. and it was a place that he always just wound up just pissed drunk in at the end of, you know close to closing time and you know he's he's just kind of you know riffing a little bit on just being you know being in you know the the local soul kitchen nearby so i don't know i've always kind of dug it and it you know for whatever reason i just hear that in like various dj sets for some weird bizarre that, reason
1: that is really really yeah. interesting and i think i think if i was in your position i would i would uh have a bigger piece of my heart for that because one of my favorite things in between like live shows and like live sets is listening to what the sound guy is listening to yeah. and like that music in between because it it makes you think about what this sound guy thinks about the
0: music that's on stage you know it's funny you say that in this context because and i don't know if they still do this anymore but In the 930 Club, in their old forum, they used to, you know, there would, of course, be people talking about either bands that were just there or bands that were coming out or coming up, excuse me, and they would list DJ sets for the night. And that was a really cool way of discovering music independent of, you know, a lot of, you know, what we, you know, all of us gather in some way, shape or form from, you know, some of the larger online outlets that, you know, give you suggestions, you know
1: that's that's a really organic way of of finding that stuff and i think that's really cool because you're going to shows and you're going to experience that stuff for me because i'm i'm very much disconnected uh at this point um in a southern maryland where i'm still fairly close to the city but i'm not going to shows a lot because i'm still like an hour away so close to me is an hour right? right um so that's that's actually really cool because I always just had to use the internet and to go back into like the way that I discovered this band through a book, I don't think anybody would ever discover another band through a book. You know what I mean mm-hmm. there's there's so much of that that internet culture and that internet um, kind of uh, connection and bringing your own thoughts together and then seeing a little bit of that echo chamber but also finding those people that push you in different directions for your your taste your music taste your your whatever and then the fact that you have so much history just at your fingertips that you can just dive right into everything and I, th- I think that's really cool uh, I really wish that I had that experience that you had where you know you just had these DJ sets that that really you're you're finding people in real life that are doing that while I'm trying to like peruse the internet uh, and and find these different these different um, communities and societies that that have the, kind of the same mentality that I do. Um, I I think that's that's really really cool and I uh, I hope that once everything gets some semblance of normal and you're able to go to shows without like worrying about dying possibly that uh that people pay attention to the sound guy playing music in between those or go to those dj sets because i I think that's really
0: cool these DJs are curating some amazing stuff. You might have heard of the band by name, but you may not have necessarily heard their music. Really, it's a really fun, organic way of discovering just stuff to add to your own personal mixtapes, playlists, your own record collection. I mean, I mean, another another way that, you know, is still a fun way of discovering music is if there's a band that say has quote unquote made it and they're dropping names from their own scene you know and that's a that's just always a really fun way of being like holy crap i would have never you know heard about them or discovered them if it wasn't for you know a band mentioning them in an interview whether it's in print or on television like just those are just fun ways of discovering music as a whole but yeah yeah, and we're digressing uh a lot but this is this is great (laughs) (laughs) well i think yeah
1: uh uh, sorry, I, I think the the other no. thing for for me um, being a little bit disconnected from that. So one, the you talk about um, you know the the bands that are, are talking about their their respective scenes, but the the other thing for me it was always trying to find who influenced who. So if I like this band, I want to figure out who influenced them, and I just go through a rabbit hole on the internet to find basically the origin right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and be like oh yes this is where music started and i've never been able to find that um but i i think that's a lot of fun and i think that is a a good practice for people because then they can pick up on all these different aspects like what you're talking about with um soul kitchen and that homage to james brown right you would have never figured that out if you never heard james brown totally and then the song
0: may have never been written had it not been for James Brown either. Exactly, exactly.
1: So that's something where I think history needs to be known when it comes to music. And I I hope that people are still doing this, or like there's there's little nerds like me that are just like, oh yeah, I love this music. Let me figure out what happened before this. You know, I I think that's such a, a big, a big thing because I, I want to I want people to figure out where sounds come from and like who pioneered them. I mm-hmm. think that's why I like the Doors so much um, because these are, these are weird sounds for the time. Um, this is a big voice for the time too. You know, I, I don't think that you're having, and I, I think that's also why it was such a big, um, a big deal that he is a huge booming voice and he sounds a lot more, when he gets into it, he sounds a lot more like a a blues guy that should be just singing drunk in a bar and just belting everything rather than this huge pop star, basically that he turned into where they're, they're playing these weird ass psychedelic stuff in there too. And just the way that the way that this uh, compilation comes and shows all those pieces for me, that's kind of like that DJ that's playing that, that um, deep cut. right? Right. So going in there and being like, Oh, I've never, I know who that is. I've never heard this. This is amazing to me. And I, I think that's, that's where the compilations really come into play where if it's a, a really well curated compilation, you can still get that same kind of feeling of, Oh, I, what album is this from? I've never heard about this. And I, I think that's also another reason why I go back to this one, um, this particular one so much because it, it does show some of the like Soul Kitchen, um, where I don't think that's a big hit for them, right? I I think we're also like the Alabama song. I don't those those aren't big hits. I feel like, but they're still on the uh, an essentials playlist, and that's that's really cool for me. Yeah,
0: Soul Kitchen was, I think, one of those songs that was hiding on the first uh, self-titled Doors record. Honestly, um, it was, you know, it was released sometime, I believe, in early '67. So yeah, right, right at the very beginning of when they, you know, formed in art school. Um, yeah, but but yeah, um, <laughs> there, there we go. We're talking with Chris Tondavol here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all about. The doors and um Chris we're covering a lot of ground um you know we talked a little bit about soul kitchen what uh what uh, what other tracks on here really resonate with you that uh that you keep going back to again and again
1: uh moonlight drive is another one and the end is uh the the last the last two that really like stick out um for me um the end just with uh, the movie. Um, I'm gonna apocalypse now. You know that oh, that yeah. being yeah. such a big part of that, um, and just the the insanity that song is. Um, like I I mentioned a little bit ago about like almost spoken word, right? And that's that's what the end kind of is to me. That it's it's way more of a poetic uh, expression of everything. Um, rather than an actual song. Um, and when when you're looking at it and, and looking at, for, for me, going and reading that biography and then reading some of the poetry um, that he was doing and just some of the ideas that he has, that if he was left to his own vices, um, I think that he would be just yelling on a stage somewhere with some of this stuff. And it would be all performance art.
0: You know and what not mean? facing the audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Or
1: like when it gets to the climax of it, he finally turns around and just yells at some girl's face. You know, <laughs> it it's it's a little bit like Gigi Allen without all the the piss shit and and blood, right? It's just the all the, right. the abrasiveness and and just yelling at someone. Um so I <laughs> that's that's what I kind of like feel like uh where you know the the song on the compilation is edited for the the uh the movie but it's still like that's that's a big piece of culture for so many people and it's another one where it's it's kind of a kind of a little bit of a mind fuck you know you're 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 really trying to get into this dude's head that is expressing himself in a completely different way and It's. I still think it's something that's completely different than most of the the music that's out at that time, too.
0: Yeah, incidentally, The End was appropriately named because it was the final song that they recorded together as a quartet down in New Orleans. And uh, I believe there was no overdubbing at all. It was just one steady stream of consciousness.
1: (laughs) Right, and I think that's why it's like i said if if you're just thinking of jim morrison and thinking of all the craziness that comes along with that name you're also thinking about the end and just uh the the line um mother yes son i want to kill you or um yeah that's that's what it is uh i'm i'm a real bad fan so i'm sorry um I, I have a terrible memory. Um but just, just the uh the build up for that, because he just goes into like a primal scream almost at right right at the the end of that. And mm-hmm. that having that be that almost one take, like what you're talking about, and just letting him kind of spew out whatever his brain is, if you can imagine that as like a slam poetry, right? Or like a um just a weird weird open mic poetry night and just congas instead of the, the, the soundscape that he's in, man, I, I got into it. Like I, I can see it and I can just see like the, the angst and the, the torture on him, which uh, I I, I really like shut
0: down. Yeah. I think he just shut down the coffee shop after that performance, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like the first time you see it, you're trying to figure out, okay, who do we put up next? Right. And then he keeps coming back and you're like, "Oh yeah, you can't go until it's like 12:30." Cuz you're you're it. You're done. Like you you are the the headliner, but I need you to know that we're out right after you cuz there's no one else that can go up. You're just yelling at everybody. Uh and you're not making much sense, but we like it.
0: We're talking with Chris Tondevault here from Ambition Radio on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkas specifically about The Doors and uh chris i would like to close our conversation with a question for you about cover art um what what is conjured up in your mind i mean it's jim morrison it's it's a look of vulnerability for sure what images just come to mind
1: i think uh there's for me there's always like a mysticism to him and i think that's what everybody tries to capture. Um, you know, you talk about vulnerability. That's that's definitely there. But just the trying to make him bigger than life sometimes is is another big thing in there. Um, it's when it comes to cover art for for him, especially. Um, it's it's always those eyes that get me where the, the eyes look like they're following you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You, you think like they're going to stare into your soul. They're going to get you. And I think that's also something that they try to really capitalize on and make it to where whoever's, whoever's taking these photos knows that there's more to it. Even if he, if it's all a show, you know, even even if it's all him just being a crazy person because he's on drugs and and drinking so much and dealing with demons and and just possibly just being an asshole, uh, that's that's always an option. So when you look at it, you you think for me is always the mysticism and the mystique about him and that he's always bigger than life and unfortunately i think the other thing too is that when you look at cover art especially for compilations um but i think really for this band in particular that there is some some dynamics of just jim by himself and then jim with the whole band and when you look at their their whole catalog it's it's a little bit different where people that bring stuff together knows what sells and they know Jim sells, right? But mm-hmm. there there always seems to be that that kind of divisiveness between the band because you have people that always want to just focus on Jim and say, oh, no, it's not The Doors, it's Jim Morrison, right? Mm. That's That's his music and it's not his music. He doesn't even know how to make music. Like, that's that's the whole point. He just knows how to yell and scream and sing real well. Um, and then show his penis. So that's that's the other thing. Um,
0: that's so, it's so interesting you say that, that he's trying to, you know, basically deflect attention that it's about the band. It's not about him. Yeah. When you, when you look at his hand, it looks like he's trying to flick it, you know, flick something away, whether right. it's a, you know, a fly in the lens or whether he's just trying to, you know, flick you as, you know, potential listener away, you know, go away. Yeah, I know.
1: if and also if you like think about some of the the history that he has, where he didn't even like turn around to the the rest of the people until I don't, I don't know how many shows it was, but it was a while, right? So he's he's always going towards the band, singing towards the band for so long, and then he breaks out. He doesn't want anybody around him. He doesn't want the attention. He doesn't want any of this um so you know that flicking being like look leave me alone get out of here i don't really want to be around you guys get out of here um and i think the other piece too like when you're flicking someone uh you are normally the stronger bigger person too Mm -hmm. um so when you look at this where i think the other aspect of it is saying, I'm bigger than life. I'm I'm bigger than everything. I am the lizard king. You know, this is mm. me. So just you're you're yeah. flicking someone on the forehead and being like, You're nothing. Get out of here.
0: Chris Tondevold of Ambition Radio. Thanks for coming on the show today and uh, talking about everything about the doors and how much their music, you know, just continues to Inspire you, resonate with you. And uh, this was a lot of fun. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Hopefully, uh, I don't disappoint anybody that's, you know, a better, more factual fan than I am.
0: My special thanks to Chris Tondewald for taking some time to stop by today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, apple or wherever you listen to podcasts take a moment to tell your friends and your family about our show let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating that will certainly help us appear higher in those search results and feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett nicolay at mixtape studios in northern virginia we hope you discovered some new music perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.